0: Welcome back to Incremental, the Continuous Improvement Podcast. I'm Devin Bedoni, And I'm Uriel Eisen. And this week we have a regroup and strategize theme. Uh, I think both in our businesses, both of us in both of our businesses, as well as in the podcast, I think we've had a, um, a very productive and um, just good several months or, th- you know, kind of since we started this, since the turn of the yeah. year. I think we've both done a lot of work in this regard mm-hmm. um and both in our thinking and directly in the shop and we're yeah. kind of getting to this um i at least i speaking for myself i feel like i'm getting to this kind of plateau mm-hmm. regrouping kind of taking stock strategizing for the next step um, yeah
1: i think same here i think like a lot of the concepts have finally kind of clicked and a lot of the improvements we've been making have kind of really um, worked and been implemented. And it's sort of given us a lot of breathing room to step back and think through what's next and kind of uh, refocusing. And I think, you know, we spoke about, um, I think it was Ono who talks about like lowering the water level mm-hmm. in a pond and as you keep lowering it, new rocks start emerging. I feel yeah. like <laughs> I feel like that, right? As you as we've improved things, um, and suddenly it feels instead of like seeing rocks, it's like seeing new islands yeah. kind <laughs> <of> at this <laughs> point. I
0: don't know. I w yeah, I was just gonna say like sort of playing on that theme, generally speaking. When the water's high, you just see the tips of islands. And then as the water gets lower, uh, right. they're large and they're more <laughs> more involved to tackle. And I think we're both kind of experiencing that right for now. For sure. So that's going to be our theme for this, uh, for this episode is kind of strategy, regrouping kind of where we're at right now. Um, and in that vein, you had a good quote.
1: Yeah, good quote. I, I forget where I came across it. Um, but... The quote is strategy is for shaping the world rather than accepting the consequences by Roger Martin, Dean of the Roman school of management.
0: Yeah. I like this one. Um, actually about a year ago. Um, I, so I own property with multiple families. Mm -hmm. Um, and we try and get together away from the property once a year and kind of go, go somewhere and hang out and nice, you know, enjoy each other's company <laughs> instead of just being around each other and uh-huh. doing our own things and we had a little kind of like what do we envision for the next year for ourselves and um that was almost exactly a year ago now and i remember my goal mm-hmm. was to try and become um proactive in my business instead of reactive and i wouldn't say i'm there yet but i i feel like i'm <laughs> i have the roadmap at least
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like, I I feel, well, it wasn't an explicit goal. But I think as we've talked through a lot of the challenges, our businesses experience both on the podcast, but also off the podcast, I feel like eventually you reach this point of sort of talking it, it it can feel like it's responding to the external world and then you kind of realize the levers you can pull to affect those things mm-hmm. right it's like oh we got a job that messes our shop up in this way and it's like oh so we need to account for that <laughs> proactively and understand yeah those inputs ahead of time yeah um yeah we i've definitely so we were working on um we we're we we're looking at uh, updating our website and working on some other things that are just I mean our website works. If if you've been on it, um, it's it's pretty basic. It doesn't it doesn't hit a lot of the um things, you know, that you should see uh to to have good conversion rate, good user experience. Mm-hmm. And we were working on redoing it and it sort of became clear that there was this just much bigger picture question that was <laughs> totally unanswered of like sort of brand identity and like core values of yeah. the brand like what are we about what and that that drives so much of that little um sort of the details uh
0: yeah i feel like you can sort of if you like think of a business as like a as a being or something you know you can have your like production process which is maybe like your GI tract or something (laughs) right but Uh then you still have like locomotion and you like need to be able to talk to other businesses and other people and all of these other aspects of this like body that is this business and it all has to work well in order for the business to succeed and it's really easy as we've discussed before to just focus on you know the production processes because those feel very um like in your face attainable Mm -hmm. the things we understand generally speaking as people who came to this kind of work as technicians people interested in the process um but yeah i think looping back to being like yeah what is the identity of this business how does it interact with the outer world right that stuff is really really important
1: and hearing you say that i kind of wonder if part of where I'm at is basically we've been doing this improvement stuff for a while now, mm. and I wonder if part of this feeling of kind of not knowing exactly what's next or that the things we're dealing with are actually much bigger picture than just like a ten minute improvement in the shop, yeah, um, I wonder if part of that is the all of the improvements we've been doing kind of paying off and allowing us that space and because like systems are working. I mean, uh, you know, I, I just got back from being out of the shop for three days and I walked into the shop and the CNC was running and I was kind of like, hadn't really heard from anyone. So I was kind of curious awesome. what I was going to find. Yeah, <laughs> And what I found is like production was rolling along. So, which was a big surprise. I mean, I don't know if a big surprise, but, but cool. Yeah. You know, big milestone. And I think maybe what's been happening is like, previously it's always been a bit of a fire or you know putting out a fire somewhere mm-hmm. and now when that's no longer really the case day to day then we can you know you start to step back and say like okay what are the yeah bigger questions here um wider strategy like how how should we be moving forward what are the goals of the business yeah growth wise um you know what does
0: that mean for our choices today or yeah and in the vein of our discussion last week about like where you put your focus and attention and energy, um, si- it's similar in our shop that we've by no means tackled every little issue and we have not tackled even all of the issues that we brought up on the right. podcast. Um, but a lot of the the small production ones are either not the bottleneck or they are large enough that they're not something like you said that we can tackle in 10 minutes here and there. They're either capital intensive or quite time intensive or, you know, in some instances it's like maybe hiring another person, which is a big, a big lift. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think in my business, I'm sort of things have smoothed out in the last week or two in a really good way. Um, And we are, we're doing, I feel like we're doing things very well Hmm. and we are still making small improvements to our processes as we go. Um, and it's giving me this moment, which is kind of cool and hasn't happened for a long time to actually step back and be like, okay, what really needs attention? Yeah. Big picture wise. Um, and that's been really cool.
1: Yeah, it's funny. It's cool, but it's also a little disorienting. It's very I feel like disorienting. my yeah. the past two years have been really in the weeds process, you know, we're getting this type of reject. How do we fix that? We're having high paint rejects. Yeah. How do we fix that? Like just on and on. And now, yeah, having that space, I think it just feels like I'm seeing a lot of stuff that I have less experience solving, I guess. Yeah. So, so it brings up a lot of new questions. I've been reading a lot of books about um, brand building. Yeah. I heard a really cool podcast. Um, it was how I built this mm-hmm. uh, interview with the founder of, or not the founder, but the guy who built Sunbum, the sunscreen brand. You're, Yeah, you mentioned that. Kind of mind blowing to me <laughs> because like I am very much a product guy, yeah. right? And so, but this guy builds brands, like that's what he ran a business doing. And it is like... It's not that the product is irrelevant, but but it is, (laughs) it's, yeah, it's like if you don't have a brand that is sort of cohesive with what you're offering and who you're offering it to, like it basically, it needs to exist. It needs to be good enough that people are excited about it, but the product. Yeah. Yeah. But beyond that, it's kind of like, I mean, in the case of sunscreen, he was like, yeah, it has good ingredients and this and that, but really it's about do people identify with it? How is it getting marketed? Um, and it was a really interesting perspective on building a company.
0: It's a little disheartening as somebody who likes cool things to realize that your cool thing is not what sells at the end of the day. Necessarily. Yeah, you live
1: and die by sales. Yeah. I mean, I know it's always a bit of a bummer. But if you look at brands that you're a fan of, there's often it's funny. There's often a there's often another company that does the same thing mm-hmm. nearly very nearly mm-hmm. <laughs> functionally. But then there's something else that you appreciate about that company in your perceived, you know, their values, essentially. Yeah. Right. Like I was looking at robot arms and there's a company that puts all their training videos online for free. And it's like, Hmm. I like that model more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And the robots are nearly comparable, right? (laughs) It's like they do the same thing. So, yeah. uh, And yes, (laughs) I like the function of that more, but I also just like the. Uh, incentives and the world view, or like like where they're going with technology, right? Let's make everyone be able to use our tools, and then mm-hmm. offer them value through like I don't know, you know. They're also releasing a lot more, uh, a lot of much more inexpensive robotic arms, so. Yeah sudden like i like that too like that is where i think automation needs to go right like everyone needs access to automation
0: sure um anyway yeah it's interesting i also find um these moments where things are going well to be disorienting as as somebody who has spent the last decade orienting around putting out fires um yes when there is no fire to put out it can feel just very like floaty and amorphous and like what do i work on do I have a snack? <laughs> I, have a snack? <laughs> I mean, I know there's things to do right. and it's hard to like, kind of like back out of the stress for a moment and then yep. widen your perspective to a, the like bigger picture of the business, even in production processes, things that you've been wanting to do, but haven't had time. Right. Which I had a cool idea. Actually, I'll talk oh. you about it later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or I mean, I guess we could talk about it now, but it's real geeky. Uh, uh, I've been on on the ongoing conundrum mm-hmm. of workholding in my shop and, Interesting. and how I want to move forward. Um, one holdup for me has been building a trunnion that accommodates the chunk pneumatic vices, mm-hmm. has a different sort of stack up, height stack up, yeah, um, and isn't quick change if so. If I want to clear thing, like if I want to keep things compact, I can't put a rock lock top on it, rock lock, <laughs> rock lock base on top of the trunnion. And uh-huh. the, anyway, yep. the stack up gets all messed up. Yep. It's like too many <laughs> things. There's too many design constraints. But I want to be able to throw a manual vice on the trunnion without having to tear it down if I need yep. to. Anyway, it occurred to me today that it wouldn't be quite as fast as a full rock lock swap. Mm-hmm. But I could bore holes in the trunnion that are the same size as the locating pin on a rocklock uh, uh-huh. pit uh, pull stud. Yep. and then and but instead of using a pull stud, I could just use a precision sleeve, and then run a, a bolt through the bottom of the trunnion into the vise mm. where the stud would normally thread in, and that way, I if if I need to. Could mount both manual and pneumatic vices to the same trunnion without having big stack up issues interesting which I think would be very beneficial in shortening overall uh changeovers if I need to go to a part that's larger that can hold then I can hold a pneumatic vise mm-hmm. can put a bigger uh manual centering vice on the trunnion anyway, I just had that thought right before I drove over here and was like. This might have solved all my problems. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That was a total tangent. I can't even remember what you're talking about. Um, Oh, big picture, being able to focus on big picture stuff. um, It can be very, I find it very disorienting as someone who's always Following the next step of what needs to happen right now.
1: Yes. I think this is like the difference between working in the business and working on the business. And it's always important to work on the business, but realistically, it's easy (laughs) to get trapped working in the business. Right. And maybe it is where I am more comfortable or more practiced or something. Definitely more. It's just like being in the weeds, deep in the weeds. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it is interesting and it's, um, yeah I mean, it's challenge, it has its own set of challenges, And I, I would sort of say maybe included in being in the weeds is sort of this like lean uh, TPS kind of analysis of processes, right? It's like, yeah. let's dial this one in, our assembly station, our, you know, how parts get made on our mill, how they flow through the tumbler. like that's all very, to me, very in the weeds. It's not really dictating. The trajectory of the business or how we intend to hit certain goals. I mean, unless those goals were, okay, we want to get our price point down to this, right? Then, yeah, maybe that's
0: the the way forward, which can be important. But
1: even so, like, I think that's hours of thinking and strategizing to realize the reasons for getting to a certain price point, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, we want to pursue these markets, we want to pursue these things, we need this sort of margin. To grow the business to hit our growth goals we have. You know, you sort of like have to back your way into those things instead of just this arbitrary like, let's get our costs down. Right. Um yeah. and 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 taking that time to make those decisions to be proactive, you know, going back to the quote, right. Just like actually deciding the direction the company should go rather than seeing where it can go, you know, someone sends you a request for quote and says, oh, we need it to get to this price point. And then you spend a week trying to figure out how to hit that price point. Mm -hmm. That's very reactionary, right? You're just like, Mm -hmm. not that it's a bad thing or that you shouldn't figure that out, but like it might be a huge opportunity. (laughs) Um, Right. But I think better would be figuring out that that type of customer would serve your business really well and then you realize that that type of customer needs x margin and that means you need to move your price your your cost of goods by a dollar sure. or whatever yeah and Versus that's more where we're at right now which the last the latter of sort of having that space to back out and say who are the customers we want to pursue <clears throat> excuse me where do we see the business going? How do we hit the growth goals we have? And where can we find a, a you know a margin that can support that growth? Mm-hmm. Um you know, the business we're in often has super low margins. I think traditionally has very low margins. It's just a volume business.
0: As the main oh the business you're in specifically. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: Absolutely. And so and that doesn't really work for our size you know what we're doing and where we want to go mm-hmm. and luckily people see the value in what we're doing i guess but um i think it's easy to sort of end up going where everyone else has gone because yeah. <laughs> Right. Like there's a reason they're there, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and so the road less traveled is often
0: more difficult. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. But then if you jump on the the road everyone else is on, you're suddenly competing head to head with people who have been doing it for fifty years and really know what they're doing. Absolutely. So
0: Yeah. It's a mixed bag. It is. <laughs> um interesting. I had a thought just a moment ago and now it went away. Um oh, just that I think It's interesting, both you and I have, I think, me to a lesser extent, but we've both sort of focused on consumer goods manufacturing, Mm -hmm. largely. Yeah. I do some work that is not, but a lot of it ends up being kind of in the consumer goods market. Um, And just kind of how the whole consumer goods market has restructured over the last, I mean, you can maybe even say 50 years, but Hmm. very much in the last 20 to 30 years since we were since we were kids basically Uh um you know everybody complains about the cost of things right now but i think his everything corrected consumer goods are at historical low costs comparative to the last hundred years (laughs) right um and the traditional models of manufacturer distributor Mm -hmm. wholesaler retailer um or even if it's only you know it's one step less than that yeah um if everybody's trying to market up 100%, (laughs) it just really doesn't leave much room uh, for the people making the stuff and even the the people selling us the materials to make the stuff. Um, And so it's interesting that, you know, I think that we've both found ourselves in a segment of the market that is especially challenging Hmm. in this time period. Um, And I think... we're not the only ones realizing it, right? Like sales models are changing, direct to consumer is becoming more and more of a thing, etc. Yeah. Um, but it's gonna be really interesting to see how that whole system restructures or if it restructures over the next five to ten years. Um, yeah,
1: I suspect it will. I mean, we're already seeing it to some degree, but I think if you think about what each level of that uh or each step along that chain what they bring to the table. Yeah. Like the internet definitely uh through a wrench. <laughs> it just changes. Yeah. That um yeah, so it, it is interesting to to see um I yeah, that that is one of the big questions we've sort of been grappling with is kind of where do we position ourselves? Are we just like are, are we kind of like <laughs> Saying okay, we are primarily a direct consumer company, or do we like there are some brands that are happy to pay what we need to get you know yeah. to make money on it, and there are uh, some that aren't and so kind of just figuring out where we fit in that and what that means for our business is uh
0: yeah kind of key, yeah, similarly, working in bike industry stuff, it's becoming a smaller and smaller percentage of the business. Mm-hmm. does feel like this niche and it's like a market I like to serve. Yeah. And then simultaneously, I I question whether that is smart for the business in the long term, um, given the state of, can, you know, just the pricing and how right. it all works and that if that's pushing out a job that can make twice or three times as much money per hour, it's kind of like, hmm, is this, you know, a year ago, two years ago, it was definitely it made sense because we weren't at capacity. We needed work, gotcha. And now that a lot of the time we're fully at or about you know our lead times are out further than I would like them to be, yeah, et cetera. It's kind of like, okay, can we afford to do that? Um, I want to support American manufacturing of consumer goods, yeah, especially in the bike industry, right? How do we make that all work? I don't have an answer. <laughs> I'm just I'm just, <laughs> just talking out loud here, yeah, or thinking out loud.
1: Um, I thought your uh, first piece in this uh, form here was interesting. I don't know if you want to talk about it.
0: Yeah. It's been a while since I read the article. Have you heard about this before? Which? The, the Japanese word. I don't even know what the actual oh, word is. I watched a video about it. Yeah. yeah. So there's this apparently in Japan. Well, so anyway, the, the preamble is I think regarding employee buy-in. Um, and comparing ourselves to toyota and other japanese companies Mm -hmm. is keeping in mind that um that amount of buy-in that they get is maybe not realistic in our country and maybe not even healthy um Um, there's apparently a word in in japanese for dying from overwork um and it's not it's not just a saying like work yourself to death it it literally refers to like people who drop dead at work from from uh, you know unknown reasons i guess it's not always the same but basically exhaustion um <clears throat> did you find it did you look it up karoshi karoshi is there a uh, or death from overwork yeah <clears throat> so i think it's uh it's just <laughs> it's good to keep in mind especially among those of us who like you know come to this as entrepreneurs or whatever you want to call it and like give everything to our business it's good to remember that like at the end of the day, this is like, hopefully we're creating a thing mm-hmm. that gives back to us and gives back to our employees. Yeah. Like similar to your comment a f- couple of weeks ago about, um, you know, the investment, the financial investment should at least beat the stock market. Right. right. Like similarly, your time investment should at least beat like getting a job, just a normal job.
1: Yeah. 401k. Right. Of course, that is challenging because at the beginning it won't. And no. so it's sort of to know when yeah. <laughs> when is Yeah. When should it. Um Yeah,
0: I mean I, I think that's a good point and worth bearing in mind. I mean it's something I've been thinking a lot about in over the last year. Um I'm sort of like it depends on how you kind of think about the different phases of my business but mm-hmm. i'm kind of a decade into this now okay and i kind of this last year i was kind of like okay two years if you're not paying yourself like a, a legit wage yeah and you know thinking about putting money in retirement and stuff like right. you gotta pull the plug bro <laughs> like <laughs> this ain't cool at right. some point you know approach, yeah. approaching 40 right a kid like <laughs> there's there's things to attend to totally Uh, It's highly motivating, though, too, because it's also easy to just like kind of keep on keeping on, like just working hard and paying yourself like junk. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: remember um, basically, let's see. Well, just kind of looking at like goals for like three years or five years out. We want to be hitting this revenue mark. And so then you sort of walk that back and you're like, oh, that means like next month we need to do this much revenue. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh shit. yeah, <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> How are we going to make that happen? And I, I think that gets back to the strategy thing, right? Like starting at that point of like, where do we want to get to? And we're yeah. our way back. But in terms of buy-in, I think, um, I mean, I think like I, I saw you put this in our, our sheet here and it, it's interesting because a lot of the A lot of the sort of like stop production and fix it, or at least fix it by the next morning, it is assuming that people will sort of like stay after hours till it's done. Mm. And I remember, uh, I forget what book it was. I think in Designing the Future, they sort of talked about the insane goals that the president set for releasing the Prius, the Toyota Prius. Uh. It was like, oh no, we're going to show that in a month. And (laughs) and or maybe it was 90 days, but regardless, right? Like building a prototype car in that amount of time is insane. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, there's one side of it, which is like awesome to try audacious things, but if that means that you're not working or i sorry that you're like not sleeping, not going home. Um, I don't know how awesome that is. I just heard an interview about the health effects of not sleeping. And basically I'm forgetting the, the, the thing they measure in your blood to decide if you're like type 2 diabetes goes way up. Like they reduced people's sleep down to four hours for like a week and it went up to like strongly (laughs) pre-diabetic from just being baseline. Yeah. They're sort of talking about like if there's a thing that evolution has maintained across like all species there's probably, <laughs> even though we can't figure out what it is there's probably like a reason especially once you consider the cost of sleeping to humans right like you yeah. can't gather food you can't like you're at high risk because you're unconscious yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um, you can't procreate like there's just a high cost to it yeah.
0: um, but we do it anyway it's very critical yeah, yeah apparently um, uh, dreaming if you're not allowed to dream don't dream how do you not be not allowed to dream well so they've done experiments well it was probably more like torture but (laughs) um uh if you are not allowed to sleep you will start to dream while you're awake and interesting you're legally psychotic i think in that state or i don't know legally but right you know scientifically psychotic if that is interrupted for too long mm-hmm. this must be known from torture experiments or something and awful and war i'm guessing you just die oh uh, there is a condition where you're uh there's a caudal
1: region in the rostral region i think rostral puts you to sleep and it like stops working and people lose the ability to fall asleep and then they die
0: well so i don't know if it's just torture <laughs> but yeah yeah and in any case kind of wild it's really important yeah um yeah, um, in regards to the buy-in thing, it, I think it is it is hard as a business owner too because sometimes you're like, well, if I just work more, I'll make more money. Right. Um, but I think it's important in that strategizing big picture perspective to remember that more money <laughs> at a terrible hourly. Doesn't and, really count. Doesn't really count. And then it's also just sort of deferring problem. Like if you're not figuring out how to make the amount of money you need with the resources you have in a reasonable number of hours, it's not a sustainable system. Yeah.
1: I think that that's like, so I've worked with a bunch of startups over the years and I mean, done my own stuff and it's so easy to sort of forget, like kind of forget that, I don't know, if you're not making money doing the thing, you need to have a very clear plan about how you're going to get to a, p- a place where it does financially make sense. And if you can't get there, then you should close the business, right? And it, it and yeah. I think like, you know, when people ask you for a quote for something, like I had this today where it's kind of like I know what price they kind of want to see and it's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. There is a temptation on my end to try to hit that. Yeah. And then sort of work it out on the back end of like, all right, that means I need to get my pricing down to this, and I and there is some amount that I can do that, right? I can uh, see if I can get better quantity discounts and so on. But at the end of the day, it's sort of like I burnt myself. I don't know. Last year we took a job that was just like we spun our wheels for a month and really didn't have much profit to show for it. Yeah, and that is really problematic. Not because like we didn't lose money on it, and we like that included the cost of labor. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't much left over in the business, and I think the huge cost there is that's not sustainable. And so you should take that time instead to figure out a sustainable, you know, market or or develop new products or work on getting the cost down preemptively instead of I don't know, like. And the other part is just that it takes up bandwidth, and you could have filled that bandwidth with higher paying work, like you were sort of talking about earlier.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah so in regards to kind of strategy um maybe let's interrogate it a little bit yeah what are you feeling like and and for the sake of continuous improvement yeah (laughs) what are you feeling like the big the big picture things for you to improve are right now and how what's your plan of attack yeah or or do you Uh have one yet even or is it just more in the gestation phase Uh, I think I do.
1: I think in terms of like putting it into like lean lingo, um, I think I've just realized that there's a lot of sort of rework of, of ideas of direction of like, um, I guess it's sort of over-processing where it's like we're going to redo the website and we're going to redo this stuff and and there's no like north star in all of that to keep us all moving in the right direction Mm -hmm. and so that's sort of been that that push to kind of zoom out. It just like kept feeling like there was a piece missing to kind of guide all those decisions. Also, um, there was a lot of inefficiency that I was seeing in terms of like as the team grows, um, people needing to talk to me about what they should do, mm-hmm. it, like, you know, updating the website, just other different things that it felt like I shouldn't, I shouldn't be the, the sort of the compass there, right? People shouldn't have to come talk to me for every decision. And so that sort of drove me to this idea of backing out and sort of thinking more about like the values of the, of the business core values, like documenting what we want to be. Mm -hmm. right as a business what do we like what are our values and a lot of that has to do with like if we ship a product that's not right right someone has an order that's not right someone should be able to read a document and have a very good sense of exactly how we should address that problem right it's like we take care of our customers not do you know what i mean and that is a decision and if they have to walk over to me and say like hey how do you want to handle
0: this that's kind of inefficient um do you feel like it's your responsibility to create those documents or do you feel like it's everyone's responsibility? How are you kind of tackling that?
1: Um, so I'm at the moment, I'm reading books about how to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think it needs to resonate with everyone. Well, no. It needs to resonate with me. And, and, and then if it doesn't resonate with someone, <laughs> I either need to change it so that it does or they're not a good fit, right? Um, uh-huh. Like, and and everybody includes uh, customers as well, yeah. I think. Um, and so, I mean, at the moment, I'm kind of doing most of it of like writing, uh, you know, the nuts and bolts of it is sort of writing out phrases and values and stuff and sort of just seeing how that sort of feels, if it feels about right. At the moment, I'm kind of thinking that the big thing that I think austere sort of represent or, or the, the change that austere manufacturing kind of um, believes in implementing in the world and seeing in the world would be something about like that everyone should start caring more about the products they use and about the products they make. And so it's kind of like really put that effort in to making good stuff that lasts. And that's from a I think just from every perspective, like making all this trash (laughs) (laughs) is just like, it's not satisfying a, as a consumer, like it's very cheap, but it's very cheap. I mean, like, I don't know. So I I think that's kind of it. And I think a lot of it like bar is basically borrowing from our future, like in terms of, I don't know, carbon emissions. It's like the second you, you know, there's a big uh, uh, um, libertarian concept of my right to swing my fist ends at your nose. Yeah it just turns out that everyone's nose is kind of all over, right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like me mining over here and like digging stuff out of the earth. Yeah. Turns out does affect a lot of other people. Yeah. Both now and in the future. So I think that's kind of um, that in terms of where the business like strategy wise, I think I sort of mentioned sort of the direct to consumer versus uh B 2 B2B aspect, I think is a big, I don't know if it's exactly a choice but just understanding what ratio we want to hit or where which consumer which retailers or which uh wholesalers um, can kind of work with us and which uh, markets. Yeah. And and kind of who values what we're doing and just making sure we're pursuing places where like I don't care if I can sell someone, you know, a few hundred buckles if they're not going to be able to sell them that doesn't help anyone really. Like I get a bit of money but then they're kind of not super excited about the product um yeah kind of taking more ownership over the complete that complete process like if we sell to a retailer making sure that we are supporting them not only in shipping them a product but also like making sure that they understand how to sell that product making sure they have the assets in terms of photos in terms of copy to do a good job making sure that they understand how to sell it like um you know, are they going to advertise it in their mailing list? Are they going to post about it on social media? And if they're not, at this point, we know enough about selling our product to know that they're probably not going to succeed. And so if they're not going to succeed, we actually don't want to sell to them to begin with. Yeah. Right. And, and just like just starting to really see all that and, and make sure, I don't know. Yeah. Trying to kind of start to tackle that. Um, I mean, it's a lot of work, I think, <laughs> yeah. uh, to do a good
0: job. I think, especially for, for, I mean, I think maybe it's, you're even a little more comfortable than I am with the sales side uh huh, or the proactive sales side, I would say. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but I think both of us, it's like not our strong suit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so it feels like, what do I do?
1: <laughs> I think that, I think also just previously, it just seemed crazy to me. Like if someone wants to buy the product, you sell them the product, but now it's sort of like. <laughs> are you planning on putting this in your email list? How do you guys approach promoting products you have? Like, are yeah. you willing to <laughs> promote us on it, right? <laughs> and like, I don't know that we're gonna put a contract in place, but it, but I kind of want to say like, hey, this is what we agreed to, right? Yeah. And so let's make sure that happens. Yeah. Um, But the, also just understanding like, th- like our customer, is not only the end user, it's also, say it's a bike shop that's buying our straps to retail. They have a ton on their plate, right? They are a small business. And so making sure, like it's a big ask to say, you know, include us in your mailing list unless we then write the copy or, or at least write an outline of like, here's yeah. kind of what we like to communicate. You know, do we have a 10 minute phone call with them and their staff to talk through how to sell it on their floor, right? Like all those yeah. things.
0: Or, you know, maybe even putting, like, QR codes on your packaging with instructions and, like, best best practice use or something yeah. like that. So a customer can scan it in the shop and not need to even ask the employees. Right. That's a great something. idea. Yeah. And so, like, we don't have those assets and
1: we're a small team.
0: So, like, making all those
1: videos is tough. But, yeah. like, I think that's just what it takes to succeed is, like. Right. Thinking through that whole piece. Um, the last piece and These then are uh,
0: those big islands. <laughs> exactly.
1: One, like, it's like right. Okay. It's just realizing like, okay, me grinding and adding more, like we have a pretty good sales funnel at this point. Good as in it's well defined and we know what is at each step and kind of how those conversations tend to go. But zooming out one step, it's kind of like, okay, we've done this enough times to see that like. Here are the people who are succeeding at then reselling our products. Here are the people who are I don't know. And so, right. It's like, yeah, these much bigger questions around who do we want to sell to? How do we need to support them and be good business partners there? Um, and then also uh new products, I think, is 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 a key, yeah. a key part of all that. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so just to kind of I think I you know, we've continued to be doing to to do these uh kind of um, these daily improvements, but they start to feel a little bit, um, you know, overly narrow in scope and almost like a distraction, I uh-huh. think. uh-huh. right. It's like there's some much more much bigger sort of existential questions yeah that feel a lot more urgent than some of the uh kind of like three sing or something like that
0: right yeah it it seems like potentially in a in businesses of our scale that there's gonna always be the sort of like natural natural pendulum swing mm-hmm. between sort of big picture and shop floor or i think know, that's right because you're going to increase your efficiency in your production processes until you have space and then you will uh use that space to increase your sales and then your pressure will be put back onto your production processes
1: absolutely and at at every level i think right like we could get really good at our sales funnel and become really effective at selling yeah and then it puts a huge amount of pressure on the people doing sales because there's just a lot of inbound
0: yeah and uh, right. yeah, and I think hopefully in that pendulum back and forth, each time the business is building to a point at which it can become a more sustainable whole entity. For and, sure, and there becomes less of a pendulum because it's all kind of growing in step. But I yeah, think,
1: and I think for that to happen, there needs to be that proactive strategizing. So right. you are moving in a direction that is more sustainable, right. rather than just like more revenue but lower profits
0: or something so you're like okay we're gonna hop to this rock across the stream then this rock that one's bigger we'll hop to that one (laughs) then we're gonna be on the other side yeah and then we'll all make it there hopefully and then we can work (laughs) on building a bridge yeah (laughs) yeah 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 how about you um so i think i think the themes have been obviously well hopefully obviously somewhat consistent over the last few months Mm -hmm. um a big thing is just our information management process. Mm-hmm. And I think we're sort of, well, I've been thinking, gestating, gestating on it a lot for the last few months. We you know, did our job board, which had a big effect and has been very helpful. Um, and that, I think, freed up a fair amount of space in my personal work processes to see sort of the next issues. So, I think, yeah, there's two kind of main thrusts, big picture thrusts. one is um is also sales i think and so uh-huh. and you and I have discussed this offline a bit, but i I believe that we could do very well if we had more of the right kind of work for our equipment and for our specific uh kind of like labor breakdown mm-hmm. And our size. So I'm, well, actually the size kind of goes into the improvements or sort of not, but I, um, officially started the onboarding process with paperless parts this last week. Okay. Uh, and I'm really hoping that that's going to just generate more revenue purely by me not undercutting myself <laughs> on, my, on my quoting. Yeah. As well as streamlining the quoting process and hopefully winning more of the correct type of work for our, our shop through that. Right. But then a, a bigger part of that, I think, is going to be at some point in the next six months, maybe trying to hire somebody on who specifically does sales as part of their job. Mm-hmm. maybe not their entire job um but someone who's capable of well a who knows what we're looking for in jobs mm-hmm. and then someone who's capable and has the time of reaching out to companies that would be a good fit finding those companies first of all reaching out to those companies that be a good fit for us being able to you know speak intelligently about right what we can offer and what we're trying to do Mm -hmm. and then bringing more of that work to us um and i have a pretty good picture now of kind of what that work looks like in terms of like the parts interesting so identifying the markets is still kind of a question mark right um and how to get in touch with those companies find those companies that's still a question mark and that's something like we're talking about another big lift like i haven't had time um now that is starting to free up a little bit hopefully and hopefully that will continue um so that's a big focus and then the other big focus has just been on the internal side streamlining our communication mm-hmm. more, more or less Um, between myself and the employees and making sure that there's very clear a clear step-by-step of how things move from place from step to step within the 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 shop and where the information is what needs to be there how it's discussed um and that's an ongoing process but uh and then last but not least kind of like the nitty-gritty technical is actually continuing to implement more automation Mm -hmm. um and in this the the beginning of this year has been pretty illuminating because we took a really big job it's a good job but the parts are not great fit for us really and it's like i don't want to say no to it cuz we're still we still do need the work we're, yeah. we're not in a place to be turning away work um but we could be making, i know that we could be making better money on other work um and we're starting to see the the light the end light at the end of that tunnel mm-hmm. um And so starting to think about next steps. So I think, I don't know if that makes much sense, but in terms of kind of like the three avenues we're sort of progressing along.
1: Yeah, I think like the one around sales, I think why it sort of feels like uh, not a deviation, but a step back from sort of the like the eight lean wastes and so on is that Uh, there's nothing to apply that to when you're sort of thinking through like, how well, that's not really true. There isn't a meta sense, and that's what the book Designing the Future is about, uh-huh. which is how do you design new systems? Yeah, without doing rework on your thought process around those systems, but sort of thinking through, uh, you know, sales and types of jobs and where those where you might find them in different markets and all that stuff. It's sort of it's sort of hard to refine until, it's, until you're ready to kind of say, okay, here's our plan, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. And then you see how the plan is going. And then you say, wow, we're writing around a, a lot of these same emails. Is there a way we can yeah. streamline that? And is there a way we can...
0: Well, then coming back to kind of like lean or TPS principles, <clears throat> um, that's kind of a cool way to apply PDCA loops maybe. Uh huh. And for anybody or everybody who doesn't know what that means, <laughs> myself mostly included. That's like plan, do, check, act, basically like designing quick experiments to test a hypothesis and then adjusting accordingly. Um, and so I think to put that in terms of sales would be to you know do like, okay, we're gonna, we have a hypothesis about what kind of companies might respond, Yeah, we're, we're gonna pick three and test it see if we get any response if we do progress if not look somewhere else we can always come back to it yeah maybe i don't know yeah
1: yeah no i think for sure i think um it's a huge mistake that people make to sort of step away from the day-to-day and go like all right we're gonna totally come up with a, a new plan for how our factory operates and then you spend six months drawing that out and figuring out what are figuring out what equipment that means and on and on and then you implement it and discover that there was some very basic assumption that it's incorrect, uh-huh. right? And it's a huge cost. And I think we sort of talked about this last week or the week before, but just getting better. I mean, for me, like a big focus is sort of like when we come up with a concept for an improved workflow around like where are Kanbans, how our Kanban systems work or just like Oh, I had it with paint. Right, we were like, "Wow, we don't need to blow off the paint, the parts yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then paint. them. we can just blow them off one time. Save, yeah. and then we scrapped almost a full batch. And it's like we could have tested that on one rack of eight, right? right. Just to see, you know, and just assume, um, you know, assume that there's stuff you don't know to ask. And I think, yeah, around sales, it's like. Okay, we need to hire a salesperson. There's probably a shorter, a a smaller step. That's sort of like: is there a salesperson who would work part time, or is there a salesperson who would work purely on commission? So it's not really a risk. Or you know, is there a way for us to test this premise mm-hmm. without really affecting the trajectory of the business or how the business works in the meantime? Uh huh.
0: I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's a good thought. Um. Yeah. And I think in general, our, you know, focusing, I, I think uh, like a year ago reading Shijio Shingo and whatnot, I was like, okay, we got to get setup times down. Got to yeah. really get setup times down. And I think that was good motivation mm-hmm. for me to think through a lot of the processes. And right now I'm kind of in this place where I'm like the actual setup time. And when I look at our whole picture yeah, is probably pretty minimal compared to a lot of the other gains that will be made just kind of like around optimizing that process. Right. And so I think right now we're kind of just like focusing on overall flow, making sure things are in the right place at the right time and not focusing too much on the minutia. Um, and that honestly has been a big lift as well, just to make sure that programs and tools and tool and workholding is all there when we need it. Interesting. And right now, you know, the focus is on, um, making it so that Ariel can do setups without me and prove outs without me. And Very she's cool. doing a lot of that. Yeah. And she's slow at it for good reason because right. she's completely new to it. Right. Yeah. You know, and I could be like, oh man, we got to get this faster. Yeah. Uh, but looking step, stepping back and looking at the big picture, I'm like, oh, I got another part program today because I wasn't doing a setup that is definitely and now I have 45 minutes free to start thinking about our future work holding system that we're gonna right. be implementing for a spindle gripper. <laughs> the overall flow in the business is definitely getting bigger, even though if I'd focused in myopically just on setup times and reduction of setup times, uh, I don't think it would I don't think it would have helped. I mean, I think we will at some point have right. to revisit and come back to that and start to refine it when the water level has been lowered to that point (laughs) for sure and i think uh,
1: one assumption there is sort of like smed single minute exchange of dyes is for is to allow changeovers from part to part yeah so that you're not doing in big batches but it doesn't seem like your customers want that and therefore like it doesn't necessarily make sense for your business like it sort of could down the road you could negotiate you know, I'll, I'll send you this many pieces per month or, and then the next step would be per week. And then the next step would be per day. Yeah. And if it was per day, it would really make a ton of sense to get your changeover times sure. down. Right. But beyond that, it's sort of like, that is not at all the current thing that's poking up above the water level.
0: No, <laughs> it, sort of- it's really not. Um, you know, it does still have an effect, you know, if it takes an hour to change over from all, yeah, I- you know from from last unload to cycle start on the first good part of a next of the next job if it takes an hour or even 2 hours yeah that's you know, a portion of a day if you right. consider hourly you know rates and if you're doing that on every machine every day or even one machine every day yeah that starts to add up so it's definitely worth pursuing in the long run even in you know our environment yeah um where we're doing often you know five to 200 piece runs you know that could last you know kind of most of our jobs at the minimum or a half day probably Mm -hmm. and at the maximum a couple weeks right uh for a sink for a part number um i do think there is still a lot of work to be done there and that in the perfect world we will get to a point where a part finishes and we start prove out on the next part within 10 minutes. And I think that's right. doable.
1: Yeah, right. And it probably means having all the stuff that you said you're focusing on instead of that or or right. currently, Yeah, that all needs to be in place for that to really matter at all. At I all. mean, yeah. yes, maybe you'll save 10 minutes here and there, but meanwhile, you're waiting three days because you didn't realize that whatever oh uh, you didn't have a tool holder that you need or something
0: right yeah that or like I focused on one machine on getting the, like the changeover super quick and then I was behind on programming so another machine ends up sitting for three hours because yeah right nobody had time to attend to it yeah it's kind of like well that's that's not, not helping anybody
1: <laughs> yeah um I wanted to mention something we talked about last week um or in passing we sort of said keeping employees busy yeah. And it just occurred to me that that is really not the focus at all. Yeah. It is on productivity um, and kind of even more than that on uh, value add mm-hmm. time. Right. And I think I just wanted to mention that because I think we both sort of said like, oh, yeah, you know, we need to do a lot of work to make sure people have things to do to stay busy. And it's like, <laughs> if there's nothing useful to do. <laughs> like, yeah, go enjoy the sun. I know we're both doing like it's not we're not saddling people with meaningless, busy work by any means. But I think just like, I don't know, sort of like language matters and like focus matters a ton. I it feel like does. that's sort of like the this whole podcast is kind of learning things to focus on and how to see.
0: Yeah, um, I think it is a language thing. I think what people really mean when they say that is having useful things lined up because maybe well, I think that's, that's what I'm trying to mean when I say it. Agreed. But
1: if you even look at the useful things, quote unquote, useful things we line up for people, they tend to have about 85% non-value add in them. And uh-huh. that can be down to like 50 or less, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, anyway, it's sort of pedantic, but also I think no, kind I, of important.
0: I think it is a good point. Um I think it comes back to that challenge of like, how do you have a system that's intelligent enough that everybody working within it knows what to do next? Yeah. Um, And I think especially in businesses our size, where labor is so limited and so many things to do, it's even more important because there is a shortage. But it's that catch 22 of somebody has to be organizing yeah. whatever that list is somehow to to make sure everybody knows where they need to be but your point stands that um <laughs> staying busy is not the objective no <laughs> they should go you. stand in the sun and yeah have some tea and enjoy themselves for a minute and and right. come back refreshed to do something important yeah
1: and i think backing out a little bit from that it's really an important focus because like if you think about automation People don't want to pay someone to like stand around, I think, often. But if someone came into your business and like spent three weeks automating one of your machines and then essentially stood around for the next year, but the machine was way more productive, you'd still be way ahead. Yeah. Right. It's just worth remembering that. Like, I don't know. I sometimes like stand there just like daydreaming, not exactly like I'm watching something and I'm kind of like pondering how, it, and that from the outside can look, like I'm not doing anything, yeah. And I, it's something I've sort of been struggling with a bit. Having someone in the shop, it's like I just want to be make sure I am not incentivizing looking busy. I worked for a boss who liked liked hustle. Uh Like he sort of talked about it, and hustle to him meant that you were sort of grinding at all hours, and so you just got a huge number of brownie points if you were kind of like the last to leave the office, or if you sent him an email really early in the morning, right? Yeah, and it's like not
0: (laughs) help. No, yeah. Anyway, interesting. Um, Oh man, I had a thought, and then it went away again. Uh,
1: Well. I don't know exactly. I mean this episode feels a little bit off the usual <laughs> kind of are we off brand?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Uh
1: no, I think I guess what what are the common threads? I think the common threads to me are systems thinking really, right? Mm-hmm. Like like a lot of the lean stuff and like Toyota production system is about systems thinking yeah. and I think One piece that maybe we are like, we're at a funny place business-wise relative to Toyota, I think of like, they had a very clear, well, I would guess they didn't, but it is portrayed as them having a very clear, uh, objective, Uh I would say, right. Like making cars, delivering really high quality cars that don't break down. Like that was their focus. Um, I think initially it was survival. Definitely. Um, But I I feel like in those books, they don't talk a lot about how they picked what markets to be in or how they picked how to position themselves in the market or even how they picked what their core values were. Right? They just state them as like, it's about supporting people or something like that.
0: I don't remember exactly. Um, It is driven home a lot in the Toyota way that kind of what makes in in his portrayal Toyota exceptional is their ability to develop people who are capable of being good systems thinkers yeah so I think it's yeah we're not too off brand (laughs) (laughs) right and I think I think we're sort of I don't
1: know the past couple weeks for me have definitely I've had the space to really step back and it's not just systems thinking in terms of like what is the cost of inventory in our facility it's like Where are we headed headed, and how do we want to get there?
0: Is is someone steering this ship? (laughs) Exactly. Right.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. So
0: I've been in the engine room. (laughs) Is someone up there steering? (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's basically it. So I guess like this conversation is a testament to why this general approach is worthwhile. Right. I don't know that I would have had the space in the business if we hadn't been really focusing on systems like we have a guy who can run you know two people now who can run the cnc that are not me and they know what to run when and we don't run out of uh stock and no one's really taking time to track stock and we know what to paint and you know everything kind of happens and that has i guess given
0: us a lot of room that's an enviable thing not many i feel like not many people can really say that
1: uh yeah it's kind of unique i mean
0: or there's Uh, a lot of, there's a lot of businesses that run effectively and people know what they do. But I think a lot of businesses rely on expertise. And I feel like to some extent you have built something that so far does not rely on expertise to a high degree, obviously requires some expertise. And I
1: think what the hope here and what Toyota does, I think is what you're trying to build is instead of expertise being about the weird, uh, Sort of knowledge on how to run a particular machine or a particular process, you're trying to build expertise in improving processes and yeah. build expertise in thinking about the whole picture and realizing that there's a better way to approach yeah. a problem or something.
0: I think it's important to remember that they still build expertise in their specific fields as well. Like, right, <laughs> people who assemble things for Toyota are very good at it, and people who, um, are the engineers and the managers, et cetera, they're very good at their jobs as well. And I and not Toyota yeah. yeah. specifically. Yeah. You know, many of these companies. Um like looping back to listening to the Toyota Way, I think the distinction is that everybody recognizes that there is standardized processes and standardized work to build off of, and that your expertise is not a substitute for that. Right, that your expertise can augment that and improve that standard and the the standard processes that do exist
1: i i will say um and we're probably uh should probably wrap this up here over a little bit but um sops so we're finally getting them implemented and now the processes that don't have sops just feel like Naked, and, and, naked like,
0: and afraid. Naked and afraid, yeah.
1: I mean, it's just kind of like, you're just like, oh, wow, there's like no documented system for that. Like, So our paint area has no SOPs because it's just been me painting. Uh-huh. And now suddenly it's like, Sam does all the racking and QCing and now uh, mixing the paint and stuff like that. But it's all just tribal knowledge now, which is kind of brutal from a few for a few reasons not uh, even just me operating it um it just feels like i have to hold a lot of stuff in my head basically so
0: yeah it's kind of
1: interesting because i i was sort of feeling a little bit begrudging about creating sops it just feels like such another chore to Uh like write out here's exactly i would do this process but the second you do i don't know it just really is a big weight off the shoulders in a weird way i don't know
0: yeah, I think we're lagging behind on that a little bit, but I've re- been recognizing the need. Um, like a very small thing we were talking through our schedule for using the Freddy to clean out machines. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of like in our morning meeting this morning, like, okay, who's going to do it? And they were like, well, uh and Ariel were like, well, we can alternate weeks. And I was like, okay, well, how are we going to keep track of which machines? And they're like, well we'll just remember which ones we did and then do the other one, the opposite. And I was like, mm. <laughs> so, you know, it was a simple thing. We just like put on a whiteboard, the machines, and we're just going to move a tag along nice. a magnet along for which one got done. That's awesome. But yeah, those, and right now we're definitely struggling with tool management, you know, drills, always drills. There's so <laughs> many different kinds of drills, you know, and it's just, like, yeah, ha- aside from, well, as I'm saying this, the answer kind of probably I just reduce the number of drills we have until they're only the ones we need uh-huh. is probably the solution. Um, you know, and my my bad documentation in the past of like, well, it's a half inch carbide because I knew it was a half inch carbide. And right. then it's like, well, which one? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, documentation is becoming more and more clear. Like right now we're doing like I mentioned a lot of that for our setups and our kind of like job management documents, purchase yeah. orders and stuff like that. But our internal processes and tooling ma- inventory and stuff, we have a lot of work to do still.
1: Yep, Same. And I think what, uh, the reason I wanted to share is just that I think, um, you know, I'd encourage people to try documenting a process, even if it seems really basic and simple, yeah. because I'm just noticing as we're doing it, how nice it is. And it just felt a little bit, um, like a silly use of time ahead <laughs> of time.
0: And yeah, so it's not cool. Well, hopefully that was interesting to everybody or to uh, some people. Yeah. The pendulum is swinging <laughs> and hopefully y'all want to continue on the ride. <laughs> yep, And, uh, you can find me Instagram, uh, like in underscore MFG
1: and you can find me at austere underscore manufacturing also instagram instagram and And then we have an instagram for the podcast and it is incremental ci um it's been fun seeing everyone's improvements please continue tagging us in those um and reach out with any ideas for what you want to hear more about less about um
0: yeah. yeah seriously and we'll see you friday